excited about the book. You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of people who've been searching for this particular type of information. So, hey, Code Keepers, we have the good brother Kendall Smith with us today. And, man, this is going to be one for the books. And you're asking, what's this have to do with empowerment? Fatherhood? Empowerment? Stay tuned. All right. Welcome to Get On Code, the Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations focused on empowerment, health, wealth, and knowledge of self. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to. And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans. But the drug trade and all these illegal stuff that uh, people do, that's still economics. It's just that they couldn't do it in a traditional system. We're talking about melanated wealth. So we can build wealth, but we just, for some reason, don't seem to be able to transfer it. You had a great experience. Fine. That means nothing. What were you told as a child about education? You had to be how many times better? Every impression without an expression becomes depression. All right, Code Keepers, this one is definitely for the books. We have the great author, Kendall Smith, with us, the author of Rookie Father, a playbook for men experiencing fatherhood for the first time. And all right, so why'd you write the book, bro? <laughs> why'd you write the book? <laughs> well, yeah, ask an honest question. When I became a father, I looked to see what was out there in the self-help genre for men. And you'll find, obviously, a thousand books written for how to take care of a baby, how to get um, in line with your spouse. There's nothing written for the 19 million men that were raised in absence of a father. And what I wanted to do was provide quick, succinct pieces of advice that are actionable and do so in a way that's written for how men consume media, which is short and sweet and to the point and offers real world examples. Short, sweet, to the point and offers real world examples. Man, that's okay. 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 All right. So what are some of the real world examples that are highlighted in your book? Well, it's a lot. I mean, everything, all the advice that I give um, came from other dads, from dads that I observed growing up. And I try to take uh, the best that was out there. And by that, I mean, um, was it actionable? Could, could I relate to this? Was it a value I wanted to establish to my child? So one example I give um, in the book is you know, being and having a presence in your child's life every single day. It doesn't matter if it's sitting to bed at night, if you're working long hours, um, but having a constant presence and always being there and showing up um, can do amazing things to promote the bonding that you have with your child. Wow, that kind of reminds me of a group that I was involved with called Fathers in Training. They were mm. called FIT. Cool. And they had, it may have been three or four things, but it was present, provide, and protect. And they just focused on having you know men who are having challenges with their fatherhood <clears throat> to work on being present, yeah. finding ways to provide, not just financially, but for the emotional needs and the attention needs and the guidance needs of their children. Yeah. And to find ways to protect their children from various things. And it was it was that simple. Provide, protect, provide, protect, and present. So that's that's interesting. Now you have 131 total chapters. <laughs> is yeah. is there that much to learn about fatherhood? Well, I think there is because 
the reason why there's so many chapters is each chapter is one to two pages long. And when you look at how, again, I worked for at Men's Health Magazine and, and website for 10 years. So I cleaned a lot of the process of how to convey advice written material for guys. It's totally different than women. Um, most self-help self -help books are geared to women and each chapter is 25 to 30 pages long and it's useless to men. It doesn't make sense. It's not, it takes you too long to get to, to the crux of the matter. So I wanted to get past that. And the length of the book, the number of chapters, I break things down for guys. So the first section is titled your foundation. And that is to be, to have an honest conversation with yourself about your upbringing, what you were lacking, um, any resentment you ha may have and get it out on the table. Um, and then look at what things inspired you in other dads. And it doesn't have to be just men. It could be a great female guidance counselor, your mom, who was probably the hero of your life. Like my mom was, I was raised by a single woman and I give her all the credit in the world. Um, and by looking at all those things, you can start to map out a blueprint for yourself on how you want a parent. And then that coupled with an overdose of patience that you will be required to be a dad, you can get through and be a successful parent. Hmm. You just kind of hinted at something I wanted to ask you about. And that was your parenting style. So in your book, in one of the 131 chapters, you tap in to choosing your parenting style. So how do you identify parenting styles and how can you choose the right one for you and your family? I think the best place to start, and this is where I started, was what was I lacking growing up in a house without a dad? And starting with that, <clears throat> you're almost supplementing your experience with what else you want to add to, to the conversation, to the dynamic. And mine was responsibility. Um, I got away with way too much growing up. I was a latchkey kid. I came home, unlocked the door, went on in that house between the time my, I got out of school and then my mom came home. We won't talk about it here on the show. It's <laughs> not a lot of hand. And I think there's a lot of kids like me that had that liberty. Parents weren't looking. There was an extra pair of eyes on me. And uh, I got away with a lot, too much. But at the end of the day, when I did get caught and I got in trouble, um, my, I faced um, – I faced this discipline from my mother and she also promoted responsibility. And when you have two parents that are aligned um, and are promoting responsibility, it makes a big difference. And then secondly, you have to really communicate and figure out a roadmap with your spouse. And that is get on the same page. What, what do you want to um, mm. prioritize in your life? You know, I have a wife that loves a clean house, like uber clean, like almost too clean to the point where it drives me nuts. And that was her thing. And I said, okay, I'm going to do that. You're going to save, uh, be on the kind of savings plan that I'm, that I want to implement moving forward, which was my plan. And right. she kind of like shook her head and I kind of shook my head and we, we got it together. And that's a long way to answer, forgive me. But um, I think you could choose your own path by first looking at what would have benefited you growing up. Okay. Okay. Now, you just talked about how your wife had her particular bent in the relationship and you have your particular bent. So you also mentioned in your book that to be a great father, you have to be a supportive husband, manage in-laws, handle yeah. family finances 
and find ways to establish a positive legacy. Let's tap into that legacy piece first, because I think you've already kind of discussed being a supportive husband. But I definitely want to hear about managing in-laws. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, yes. Let's start with managing in-laws, because that's the juicy piece. Yeah. Now, <laughs> how does your book teach men to better manage in-laws? A couple things. Um, I'll be honest. The in-law angle was a blind spot for me when I got married. People tell you, well, you're not just marrying this woman. You're marrying to her family. I'm like, okay, what the heck does that mean? I have no idea. You learn fast when a child shows up in your life and you're involved and all these opinions start coming in and what's best for the child and what are you going to do? And with in-laws, um, ironically, I was, I've been blessed with very good in-laws. My mother-in-law provided three or four different bits of advice that actually made their way into the book. And that's because she's just a fantastic person. And um, the number one rule that she espoused that gets back to the in-laws is um, your marriage is your institution. Um, starting with that, you decide together as a couple, you manage together as a couple. And when you are with the in-laws, um, when you're getting all this advice and, um, and the time that they want to spend with your child, you ultimately have the say on what goes on in that child's life. You have the ultimate decision. Everyone else has an opinion and that's great. You need all the advice you can get when you're a new parent. But if you're choosing a school that maybe your father-in-law may be opposed to, the best thing you could say is, this is what we've decided. This is what we think is in the best interest of our child. And that kind of levels the playing field. No matter what kind of response you get, the other tip I, I give in, in the book, in Rookie Father, is if you have negative news to convey or feedback that is going to cause friction, okay. um, you are not the one to tell your um, father and mother-in-law what that is. That's on your wife. She has to be the one that conveys something that is upsetting you as a couple. And the same thing goes with you and your parents. If you cross the lines, bad things and resentment are going to boil over. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the positive legacy piece. Yeah. Speak to that. Speak to that. I just think it is um, something to hang your hat on in the long term if you erase an absence of a father and you look down the road on what you want to leave behind for your kids. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about how people speak to you when you've left this world. And if you can say you're one, a great communicator two, you're always there and present and you're involved in the lives of your children, you've done so much more than what your dad may have given to you. And that's a great thing to aspire to. And that's, that motivates me every single day as a parent. Wow. Okay. What, what, what's the finance piece? How does your book help men to be better stewards of the finances that they uh, get a chance to enjoy? So I wrote this from the premise of someone that had no money, had never saved, had no financial um, background and how to get started uh, from ground up. And a lot, a, lot, a lot of people are starting from there. And when you're a new parent and the expenses start coming in, and the costs and the medical bills and the diapers, it's overwhelming. And if you include in that process a way that you can save um, money for the first thing, your, your, your retirement, this is after you pay all the bills, the money you have left over, disposable income, you invest in your retirement, you invest a little bit in a, in a college fund, both of which can be saved tax-free. And that can save you thousands of dollars over the years. 
and you start in small increments. Over time, when you let that money um, grow um, and it's invested properly, and there's some tips on how to get started with that, right? you can start building a foundation for yourself where buying the next car is more attainable. But most importantly, um, you want to set yourself up for retirement down the road. And doing so by slow incremental growth and letting um, compounding happen, you can get there. I didn't want to start from a high finance point of view because that relates to about 2% of the entire population that no one cares about. <laughs> We're chatting and learning and earning with the good brother Kendall, the author of this book, Rookie Father, a playbook for men experiencing fatherhood for the first time. I grew up with my father in the household and, you know, my children live with me as well. But I did like chapter, or yeah, well, not necessarily chapter, but part five. You know, part five where you're dealing oh, with yeah. safety and structure. Um, yeah. Why is safety and structure so important? I mean, I read it, but I want to hear it from you, man. Um, why is safety and structure so important to be a great father? I think um, in, where I start from is baby proofing is good, but I think also what you want to do as a parent is you want to promote um, self-responsibility. So I say safety, but in safety, what I, I mean is on another level or on a, on, a, on a similar level is you want your kids to know that if they run headfirst into a wall, they're going to really hurt themselves. If you're on a playground and they want to go up a, a uh, the, the highest slide um, and it's a challenge to get up there. You have to call out and point out what there was, what's going to happen if they don't do it properly. Um, same thing with like going on a swing, whatever that may be. And in some cases you don't want to see your child get hurt, but they have to learn on their own about how to, to um, avoid certain scenarios. And I'll give you an example. <clears throat> we had a fireplace in our house that we had gated off. And eventually my son was strong enough to lift the gate and get over it and, we, my, what we realized is like we, we're not going to prevent him from going over to the fire place uh, gas um, windows per se the um, the the glass enclosure. So we had to yell him, and we had to tell him like, no, don't go up there. And it took us a thousand no's for him to understand not to do that. Um, a thousand no's to understand not to put your hand on a hot stove, and warn him like this is what's going to happen if it happens. So. It's encouraging, again, self-responsibility. And by doing that, it's frustrating. You'll pull your hair out. But when he gets it or she gets it, you can get on so much more easier in your day-to-day -day life. It just makes life simpler. So I encourage that whenever parents get the chance. As opposed to, I can't let my child climb these stairs or do this. Just teach them. Just teach them. Once again, we're hanging out with good brother Kendall Smith author of this excellent book rookie father i learned a lot and uh you know my my son is 21 my daughter's 20 and i think this is something i can pass down to my son actually um even though he grew up with me yeah. you know because you know i may not have been the perfect example i want to think i am <laughs> <laughs> and um but to have a guidebook i didn't have a good uh, guidebook um 
you know, luckily I had my father and he was a guidebook in some in many areas. Finances was not one of the areas. I remember on my father's deathbed, he said, look, I taught you how to be a good man, how to be a supportive husband, how to stand up for yourself, uh, how to be a good Christian. My father was a minister that was Mm. important to him. But he said, but I did do a great job in teaching about finance. So I need you to learn as much as you can about finance and teach the rest of the family. Um, so to be able to say, here, son, read this. This is a, this is a little primer. <laughs> you know, when yeah. you become a father, I think it's a beautiful thing. One of the things that I thought was intriguing is you talked about being the man of the house in this generation. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in our uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, our woke generation, our Me Too generation, yeah. um, the empowerment generation is what I prefer. What does it mean to be the man in the house and how can we achieve that? One word, equality. That's the one word I aim for, um, I espouse in the book, and that is to be an equal partner with your spouse uh, in every respect. And when you embrace that and you promote that, um, it's going to get you further for two reasons. If you're not playing an active and responsible role, your wife ends up becoming the bad cop and you try to be the good cop. If you're the dad that's always goofing around or whatever, you'll be emasculated so quickly and your marriage will be at risk if that happens. You want to be stern. You want to be involved. Um, And the other reason to embrace equality is it's pragmatic. I mean, when you look at I I know a couple of guys that during the downturn in 2009, the Great Recession, like their wives made more money and one of them had to stay home. And the wife ended up being the breadwinner. And we have more stay-at-home dads now. So whatever works to keep the family together, economically sound, allows you to save, just embrace it. And um, I think man of the house now, back to your original question, is playing a more involved and responsible uh, role. And we need to do it more than any other point in our history because there's so many kids. There's 15 million kids today being raised in single-parent homes, and those kids are – are regrettably, they were more at risk for poverty, for dropouts, for crime, for drugs, for everything. And I guess our last question, because I know we're on a, a hard end very soon. You've given a great guidebook. How does this empower us? So after these men, these rookie fathers, these fathers who grew up without an example of fatherhood, mm-hmm. read this book. How will our, our nation change? What do you think? How will this empower us? I honestly think if we, if the today's generation of men commit to being a great dad, <clears throat> a lot of the societal challenges we have can be resolved by their involvement. I truly believe that. Um, I believe financially it's going to be easier if couples stay together. Um, and I just speaking from someone that grew up again in a single, raised by a single mother, the goal of this playbook is to empower the guy um, to feel like he is has the confidence and the advice he needs to excel in all different parts of his life as a, as a parent. And I, I, I'm, I believe that in the bottom of my heart. All right, code keepers. This has been a short, but sweet episode with the good brother, Kendall Smith, author of rookie father. If you didn't grow up with a father in your life, this would be a great book for you. If you're the uh, the wife or the girlfriend, the side chick of a gentleman who <laughs> didn't grow up with a father in their life, this might be a great Father's Day present 
This might be a great Christmas, Kwanzaa, birthday, you know, name a present day. Name a day you get a present. This will be a great present, a guiding present, something that will help change the trajectory of that man's life and hopefully the life of his family. Kendall, we thank you for what you're doing. God bless you, brother. I know you got to go. Code Keepers, this was one for the books. Peace, and we love you all. Peace. Take care. Bye.